Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier NFT art podcast. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating amazing art. We're excited to help you in your collecting journey. Let's dive in. GM, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Cornering the Market. Today is Thursday, September 22nd. By the time this is released, it'll be Friday, September 23rd. I am P, one of your hosts. I go by Aston Cloud online. I'm joined by my co-host, Jared, who goes by Jared underscore pause online or J underscore pause on Discord. How are you doing today, Jared? Doing really well. Got the new mic set up, so hopefully it's a lot more clear, crisp, and true to my voice, not the uh, not the AirPods. So I'm feeling good, feeling fresh today. That's right. You sound great. I can already tell the difference. I think our listeners will be able to tell as well. You know, with these cornering the market episodes, uh, I have actually taken it upon myself to edit these. So the audio quality for them will probably be not as good as our deep dives initially as I get better at editing. And the reason for that is so we can turn them around quickly. We want this to be updated market news. Audio may be leaving a little bit to be desired at first, but it'll be improving. And for all you audio engineers out there or podcasters, would love any tips as I continue to learn on this journey. These episodes are audio only. We don't do a video for these cornering the market episodes. A couple other house cleaning things. Please like, subscribe, follow us, leave comments, leave feedback on your favorite podcasting platforms and or YouTube. Uh, We will actually be throwing up the audio only on YouTube. So we will look at comments over there. Please let us know what you think. This is, like, like I said, the second episode of cornering the market. And we'd love to hear from you hear what's useful. And one change that we made this time, well, really two changes, actually, we're going to start with a bit of a market overview with some data we've seen, some of the trends happening in gen art, the larger collections. Then we also are going to go a little bit longer this time. We just enjoyed this greatly even amongst ourselves, and there's a lot going on. So we want to try to get through more news going on in the gen art market. First up, the market We are on NFT price floor. We're looking over the last seven days, and there's been a a bit of movement, certainly in floor prices. Some collections have gone up and down. Chromie Squiggles is actually down 13%, down to a floor of essentially 10. We've had 16 sales in the past seven days, so there's definitely some movement happening there. Fidenzas, we've had nine sales in the last seven days. Seven of them were all from the same uh, wallet, and we have a little bit on that coming up. There's some speculation as to who that might be. Floor price is now at 94 Ether, up 10.6%. And I'll make one note, uh, Jared, this, you might find this funny. If, if you switch this dashboard here on nftpricefloor.com to US dollars, everything is in the red. So uh, that's that's less helpful to see here. But one thing that is interesting to see is what the market caps are of these projects. So Squiggles are at a 120 million market cap, Fidenza 117 million, Ringers uh, 59 million, etc. So that's something that if people are interested in, they could play around with. A couple others that I want to highlight, we're really looking at collections that we do deep dives on. There are tons of art collections out here, but a few others to highlight. Archetype is now at a 24 Ether floor that's up 9% on the week. One sold in the last week, so not a lot of change there. Def Beef series, all his series, is uh, no movement there. I highlight them because I love that project. Gazers up 36% floor price on the week. They're up to a 13 Ether floor nine sales in the last seven days they must know about our upcoming gazers podcast someone's someone's front running jared yeah darn front runners how did they know yeah which uh minor shill we're having a gazers podcast coming up we have our first guest on who's a gazers big brain so that's gonna be really exciting it's gonna be out in a couple of weeks so keep an eye out for that just a couple more to highlight meridian is now at a floor of eight ether that's up 15 percent uh, there were nine sales in the past seven days. Anti-cyclone, our genesis, is, is up. Hard. Yeah, 53% anti-cyclones are up on the uh, in terms of floor price, Ethereum floor price. So 8.69 Ether, 18 sales in the last seven days. And those are down to only 5% listed, 42 out of 800 are listed. So certainly some, excuse me, strong movement in art blocks and generative art. And just to round out, Memories of Chilin is at a four Ether floor. Hasn't moved much, up only a quarter of a percent, nine sales in the last seven days. So perhaps that is one that will go on its run uh, a little bit later. It's hard to say. But 
Those are interesting observation is Genesis and the construction token, both uh, you know, the first round of our bollocks curated are are up twenty five percent and thirteen percent respectively. Not many sales, two and three, but you know, just indicative of that that floor. It's good to see some of the OG original day zero type projects getting some love. Yeah, and there has been a movement for day zero projects in general completing a day zero set. So perhaps that is some of that going on there. Okay. So that's a quick gen art overview of some of those blue chip collections that we've discussed and changes there in the past week. So let's go over to some stories. Uh, Jared, you want to kick it off? What's the first thing that caught your eye in this past week that you think would be great for people to hear about? You could bring up that Twitter thread. The, The first thing is you brought it to my attention. It went under my radar. But yeah, it looks the Fidenza like, buys, right? Yes. There were a series of three Fidenza buys by one larger wallet. And the um, the link that you sent me brought to light the fact of who this may be uh, or what wallet. And it, it, obviously, pure spe- speculation, it's not confirmed. But uh, if you want to give a shout out to the, the original or the originator of this uh, yeah, so let me let forward. me set the stage and then we'll we'll hear your thoughts. So Jolly at Jolly Time three four five on Twitter, who seems like also owns the ENS domain jollytime.eth, put a tweet out. There have been there had been seven Fidenza sales in the span of two days, uh, a sweep of three and a sweep of four. Looks like they were all the same wallet. And so you want to tell everybody what Jolly Time is speculating here and uh, potential implications of that? The speculation is that the wallet could be belonging to a fund, so to speak. And that fund would be connected to, he speculated, it was C-E-A-S. And that's linked to um, somehow to the former owner of the the Houston Rockets. Uh, And then obviously there's a, I shouldn't say obviously, there's a connection to the uh, former general manager, Daryl Morey, who was an NFT collector and investor. And uh, I, I, I think that, you know, that was the highlight for me. And it's, it's a really intriguing thought to me. One, the two thoughts I had on this is one, the beauty of blockchain and transparency, right? Like uh, with enough time, attention and uh, sleuthing, a lot of the stuff will reveal itself. Uh, I mean, it's one of the things that I take pride in, you know, digging into and finding wallets. So I have a, a deep appreciation for what Jolly Time did. And then number two, um, the thought I had was big money is seeing the value in generative art. And I actually took the time last night to to go through this wallet in its entirety. I, I would say that Fidenzas are the first big purchase of in the generative art space for this wallet. There were uh, a few others like, I mean, crazy, crazy deep into um, Clonex, World of Women, and then one other one that I wasn't super familiar with. But I, I found that particularly interesting and and what they did by and large was just do oh and squiggles sorry i'm sorry they did so it's not it's technically the second gen art sweep but their philosophy seems to be just doing crazy sweeps of the floor i mean you can see consecutive last buy numbers and and why do i go into this much detail i go into this much detail because it's fascinating a the strategy that these uh the big money is deploying and then b the projects that they're targeting so again, just a, a reaffirmation of the Chromie Squiggle and then this one buying seven Fidenzas, you know, in the course of days to me is just indicative of, you know, somebody who is affluent, who may have quote unquote made it and their their portfolio is balanced towards what I would say are, um, you know, higher end PFP projects and then these two gen art projects, which I find extremely fascinating that money is coming in and they're some of us look for all this uh like oh let's get a little bit of this let's go a little bit of that from an, a perceived my perception of their investment they're just straight up floor sweeping at some like ridiculous rate and it's a uh, rate meaning not only quantity of nfts they're picking up but eth that's being deployed regardless of eth prices so it's uh, 
if you can't tell by my reaction, it was um, it's somewhat of a confirmation bias, but it's very much a you know validation and just another data point on our journey to we're still early and big money is starting to see what we all believe, I think, viscerally at our core. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts here. I completely agree with everything you're saying. I was just listening to a bankless podcast with Morgan Housel, who wrote this book called The Psychology of Money that a lot of people have talked about and is circulating. And one of the things they talk about there is how the optimal way to maximize your return is to actually do a sweep or to bulk order rather than dollar cost average in. There have apparently been a lot of studies like this. Daryl Morey, who is actually, I forget his position. He now is with the Philadelphia 76ers, but he was well known for being a statistics guy, really statistics nerd. And through that rose through the ranks in the NBA and became the general manager of the Houston Rockets. It strikes me that if this really is him behind it, then it would make sense from that standpoint of having some sweeps. Obviously, a ton of speculation. Nobody knows for sure. The other thing that I want to touch on is what you articulated very well there, Jared, that we are seeing the thesis play out that these are the culturally significant assets in the digital art world. Fidenzas, Chromie Squiggles. I'm sure they are probably looking at CryptoPunks and a few others. And to see outside money or potentially outside money come in with really big orders like that. It the fact that you see a sweep of any any level of sweeps of fidenzas, that's a lot of money for most people. And you would think that the people who are still in the market would have deployed by now or perhaps they take a different strategy. It's unclear. But this is the thesis playing out, not too dissimilar than from the thesis four years ago, the thesis for Bitcoin was that it's an inflation hedge. And we saw that narrative start to spread. And perhaps we're seeing this narrative also spreading with the the bigger money. And I mean, folks, remember, there's only a thousand Fidenzas. And how many of them are truly for sale? Just, I, I don't know the numbers, but there are a lot of family offices. There are a lot of very wealthy people. And, and I should even say for people who don't know what a family office is, it is when you are rich enough that you hire somebody to manage your own money. It's managing your own family's money rather than managing other people's money, because you just have so much that it's a full-time job to manage your own money or hire people to do it. There's a lot of money out there. And if family offices start competing for Fidenzas and Squiggles, I mean, who knows? The the floor could rocket up in an insane way. I just pulled up the wallet again. There's 47 Squiggles in it. And 40? it looks like 10 punks. So, I mean, yeah, uh, that, I, I, I glossed over the punks because I still don't own one. I'm not bitter, but I mean, it was... Uh, I mean, I'm looking at seven Fidenzas, 10 punks, 47. Yes, I counted them, 47 squiggles and 47. countless Clonex and, and World of Women. It, it's insane. Interesting. Those two make me wonder, well, who knows? But regardless, I think it's interesting to see what big money looks like. And I, I that sounds like big money to me, especially if we haven't had the time to do the analysis, but if you look through it and most of those were bought recently, not when Fidenzas were minted, then that shows you that they paid quite a large sum of money to get there. So we'll see. And the other thing I wanted to highlight about this is that we just had a drop in the market. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates by 0.75% but more importantly, sounded very negative about the economic outlook and our ability to tamper inflation. That spooked the market. We had a big drop in the Ethereum price. That's another thing that I think is going to happen. Once people feel like Ethereum has bottomed, these blue chips are going to start flying. I, I really believe it. A lot of people are like, well, no, I'm not sure. I'm sure of it. I'm 100% sure. You heard it here first. Well, probably not first, but I'm going to make some bold predictions on this because, hey, why, why not? Um, this is what I think. I think that once it's a game of musical chairs where everyone's kind of dancing and once people start sitting on the chairs and buying up these assets, I think it's there's going to be a run. So, so we'll see different runs over time. It's funny you say this and completely unrelated and it's just something I've been looking at. Not sure how much I want to share, but if you look at the if you look at the the chart on article of the Chromie Squiggle and you look at the the chart of Bitcoin you'll start to see a lot of similarities. It's pretty intriguing for me, and it's just a data point that I've started to say that. And I say that 
largely because of the statement you just said. I don't have as much conviction that everything's 100% going to skyrocket. I'm very confident. So it's it's something that like there's a taste and some sort of sentiment of, of correlation. And just from a charting perspective, that's very, they're very intriguing that if it plays out, uh, I'm anxious to see how it goes. And not only for my own bags, but for, for the space. And it may prove out to, to do this, but you know, looking at the final point on this wallet, you know, all the punks were bought somewhere between 92 and 112 ETH, 119. So it's like, uh, and all the chromey squiggles were in the, um, you know, the seven to to ten, some are even lower, six point four. So, I mean, it's you know, it's a commitment, but it sounds like they're they're making a, a good push, and it's something that's uh, of note, right? It's just something to to take note of, and another data point on our journey. Right, and when you make ten million dollars a year, it's a lot easier to to go spend that kind of money a year, right? Not net worth ten million, ten million come in every year, that kind of cash flow. Uh, you got to put it somewhere if you want to invest. Well, you just you spent 700. I mean, you can say that, but man, you just put 700 ETH into Fidenzas. I mean, that's that's arguably with today's ETH prices, damn near a million bucks. You did it for punks. And I mean, there's sure. a big financial commitment, whether you're making 10 million bucks or not. Like that's, that's a good chunk of uh, somebody's portfolio devoted to this. So it's, it's intriguing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, I, I would really tell, really into. If you couldn't tell, I, I mean, this is the top story for me. It's just something I'm really, really, really intrigued by. Yeah, and I think it's a good segue to the second story that we wanted to talk about is the the MoMA, so the Museum of Modern Art in New York, a highly prestigious, well known museum, uh, announced that they are going to sell 70 million U.S. dollars worth of art in order to fund NFT purchases. So basically, they're saying, at, well, they're not exactly saying it, but they're kind of implying that they want to spend $70 million on NFTs. Now, who knows? Maybe they're just freeing up some money to do some renovations, and this is a good story, and they're not going to put all $70 million back into NFTs. Actually, some people I was talking to brought that up, which is a great point. But regardless, I think that this is another signal to the market that there is some serious money that at least uh, wants you to believe that they're interested in digital art. And personally, I like to believe that they truly are. What are your thoughts on this, Jared? So I was listening, or I took a deep dive into this one also. It's something that I've been really fascinated with is one, the pivot from, and who knows like what the timing is on this, but I mean, the pieces that they've identified are from the likes of Picasso, Renoir, you know, like the, these are like crazy artists uh and and i imagine are very well received by by the patrons i think the the part that i was reading that was fascinating to me is that the the um the individual i can't remember who let's just say the head of moma was talking about how attendance is down but their digital uh impressions and footprint is growing and they talked about uh, a metric was like the instagram following has gone up you know by 5 million followers in the last year so i think that this is a an interesting play where i think that not only are they uh, diversifying but i think it's also pivoting into what they see as the potential for a uh, for the future and just the fact that people are, are shifting more towards the digital world the digital orientation um you know in, in the 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 confirmation bias again in me is like yeah they they must see the value of of what we see. I think the other part of it is yes. I also think it's diversification, uh, especially if they can get in early. Uh, but the the where my head goes on this is what is the implications for the space? I mean, this is to some degree a very large part of, in my opinion, validation of the art. And we've had you know a large art galleries, you know, support, whether it's Pace and Venus over Manhattan with with uh, art blocks or, or others, or, or but it's, it's like something like the New York MoMA. I mean, you can say what you want to. It just, it feels like a, another, and look, isn't, it may rocket, serve as a rocket, but I think it's just a validation point for the, the art that we're looking at. And I am so curious as to who they're uh, hiring to, to help them 
in their search? And then ultimately, what do they go after? You know, do they go after generative art? Is it more of the one of ones? I mean, you, you got to think like the Beeples, right? The X copies, but you know, does a Fidenza, does a Ringer, you know, does the Chromie Squiggle make it? If they do do a Chromie Squiggle, is it, you know, a hyper bold or do they do floor squiggles? Like, are they going for that big wow impact or do they, uh, um, you know, they go for, for breadth. So I, I'm really, really fascinated once it becomes public to see how they deploy their tens of millions of dollars into the marketplace and, and then the ripple effect that uh, from either copycats or copycats meaning large collectors or cop- copycats meaning other, other museums. So it, it's fascinating to me. And just like the last uh, story, the, the more, uh, eyes that come into the space, you know, I feel that the the more validation uh, that starts to show itself. Yeah, so all really interesting questions and thoughts. I will go ahead and tell you what I think is is happening and what makes sense to me. So, as I mentioned, I was speaking with another friend uh, in the NFT space who mentioned that. You know, museums don't typically buy art, they display it, but they're owned by someone else. And it's the galleries like Pace and uh, Venus over Manhattan that actually facilitate the sales. So let's assume that's the case with the MoMA. I'm not as familiar, but that generally makes sense and is consistent with my understanding. So they are really there to display this art. And so why are they getting rid of what you mentioned are obviously fantastic historic artists here? and replacing it with digital art. And of course, I'm sure they have other pieces from Picasso and some of these other artists that they want to move the art from. But to me, it's a signal to them and the broader world that, hey, this is a cultural movement that is real. And the MoMA, I mean, the MoMA is, I, I don't know what museums rank, but it's, I'm sure, quite up there. It's, it's one of the most respected art museums in New York, for sure. And that's one of the most respected art markets in the world. So this is a big signal, I think, to MoMA patrons, patrons, excuse me, that digital art is is a real cultural movement, and they're making a statement about that. You asked about, well, what are they going to buy? I think they're only going to, well, or display in this case. The top of the top is, I think, where they go. I don't think that they are going to display things that are not the most culturally significant. I guess they might go with floors. I just would be surprised based on the way that I think about these things. And the other thing to consider is how many are they going to truly display? Will they still put up only a limited number based on their physical space? Or are they going to have an online gallery where they could have an infinite number? Because that would also impact the number of pieces they could show. My sense is that they're not ready to go full digital gallery yet. Maybe they don't feel like they can control the experience or the brand of a digital gallery at the moment. I know that tooling is still being built out, et cetera. So my hypothesis here is that they are just going to go for a few grails and try to get them up. Not sure if they'll actually pay for them. And, you know, if anyone's listening from the MoMA, I have some excellent anti-cyclones and a squiggle that I think would look great on the walls. But we'll we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, I'm interested to hear. I, I like that perspective because it... Um... My 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 perspective is kind of reactionary, right? Let's see what what they really do pull the trigger on. But my gut goes towards they they pull the trigger on some very very large pieces solely just for the the impact in limited space that uh, obviously an IRL location has. You know those implications. So it's exciting either way. Absolutely, we'll keep an eye on that. Any news there? Any thoughts? We're really excited to see how that comes about. And related to that, we didn't even have this on our list, Jared, but I think it's worth it for listeners to hear. We're in the middle of a bear market. There's no volume. It feels like nothing's happening. But all of these little moves here to me are going back to the analogy of charting, almost like when you see a Bitcoin or an Ethereum chart or any stock where there's like low volatility and you kind of, you almost feel like it's coiling, like a spring that's coiling and and ready to, to bounce out on the next move up or down. In this case, I think it'll be up because there's been a lot of down lately. What I'm referring to is this feeling that I get talking to people who it just seems like there's some very subtle moves happening. 
being specific here, there are more people approaching us to help them find these pieces. People are saying, well, I want a squiggle. I've been looking for one. Can you help me find one? Uh, recently just tweeted of uh, a friend of mine who's now ready to jump in, just bought an awesome anti-cyclone, and I helped advise him on that. A couple other people. There, there are people who have been waiting, I believe, both inside of the crypto world to get into gen art. And now this MoMA news is, and the news with those, those Fidenza sweeps are people outside, let's say people in the trad art world who are wealthy now trying to get into digital art and specifically generative art. So to me, it feels like there's a subtle shift happening that is barely showing up in the charts, but we're seeing this, especially as people approach us to help them find pieces that might be good deals, which as as you know, we mentioned in every podcast, we're more than happy to do. We love doing it. So if you need help, please let us know. Is, are you getting any sense of the same thing, Jared? Like that sort of under the current, some undercurrents are starting to move? I hesitate to respond. The, yes, I am. My, my intuition tells me yes. It's part of the reason why I pointed out that correlation between the parabolic move in in Bitcoin versus the Chromie squiggle. Um, you know, just seeing something like anti-cyclone with a 56% movement, you and I sit in the Grailers Discord and hear the the love from upon there. Just even the, the concept of people wanting to go historic and look at the the day zero Genesis projects on, on art blocks. Um, yes, I do feel like there's a, uh, you know, you say coil. I've also heard the reference of like putting a ball underwater and, and, and there's a, there, if there feels as though in the near future, there will be a, a release of that, of that, uh, that pressure here pretty soon. What, what I'm not smart enough to tell you is, is it going to happen next week or in six months, but there does seem to be a, a continuity of, momentum and a buildup of of pressure that being said not every the reason why i say i don't know how long is because not every single project is 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 seeing that but i do believe that where you're seeing this pressure that you noted it, it's really in the ones that to to look at for for the next bull run that those i feel are gonna be the ones because even we talked about it anti-cyclones the floor is so thin there's only five percent of them listed and you know, if somebody like you know the 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 account that we just referenced earlier goes in and sweeps six to twelve of these anticyclones, I mean the floor goes from eight point eight to sixteen in no time. I mean it's easy. So th- there's some real intrigue there, um, and that's a long drawn out way to say yes. I I feel the same thing. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out and. The two places to really see this are on the floor prices and the number listed. And what I've noticed is all these good projects or what I consider to be really good projects, they're thinning out. That is objective. And to me, that means people are sure. I'm sure when there's a price run, some will come on the market and some people will sell. But for the most part, people don't feel like it's worth selling at these prices. And so we'll see. We're, 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 I think we're squarely in the depths of the bear market. And the reason I bring this up is I think I've seen a lot of people kind of despairing maybe that's too harsh of a word, but losing interest, feeling like, oh, this bear market's never going to end. And this is kind of the time where it starts to end once people start feeling that way. That is your signal. The feeling is a signal. And I've been feeling it a little bit myself. Having been the second bear market I've been through, I am starting to recognize that. But we won't belabor the point. Let's see how that plays out. Really excited to see. Uh, And hopefully our thesis on generative art and NFT art is correct. Uh, there, there's a reason we focus on this. So we, we have conviction and it's nice to see that rewarded, but far too early to celebrate for sure. Um, let's let's move on to QQL. We mentioned this briefly last week. The reason I want to bring it up is uh, a couple of reasons. One, they are minting it on Monday, I believe. More importantly, last Monday, so on the 19th, if you go to qql.art, they released the user interface, let's call it. So you go to qql.art, just log in with your wallet, and you'll see a dashboard which allows you to play around with some of the different features that you might want and then render different outputs of this algorithm. And when you do that, first of all, it's an amazing user experience. This is the first time that I've seen anything like this. I think there are test nets for art blocks projects and other projects as well where you can generate outputs and see what they look like. 
but this is the first time you can play around with some of the inputs into the algorithm and define what you might want. At least the first time I've seen. If any listeners know of others, please let us know and correct us. And you know, we'll go ahead and post that. You can play around with this. You can choose different outputs and you can save these outputs as some of your favorites. And the idea is then they will sell the mint passes. There are going to be 900 of them coming up for sale next week. That's a Dutch auction that starts at 50 Ether, but you get a rebate or you get rebated whatever the difference is between what you paid and the resting price. So if you pay 50 Ether and the resting price is 10, you'll get 40 Ether back pretty much immediately. The idea here is you can go find your favorite outputs, save them. And if you find one you really like, you go buy yourself a mint pass and that mint pass never expires, but you can choose to lock it in on one of those outputs. So some people are going to buy and hold the mint passes forever or just sell them way down the road. Some people will probably immediately lock in their mint into one of the outputs that they found and enjoyed. For me, a huge part of the value in this is just coming and playing around. You don't need to buy a mint pass to play around with these outputs. Sure, you may never mint it into an actual NFT, but it doesn't really matter because, well, okay, I should back up. It matters, but just alone playing with this is super fun. And I will admit, I was fading this a little bit. A little bit. You were pretty fading it pretty hard, bro. Well, okay. I wasn't fading it hard. What I would say is I personally think, I think that there's a ton of hype around this, which is justified in the user experience of playing around with it. I didn't realize how fun it would be to generate these outputs. And clearly the crowd feels that way. Tyler Hobbs posted yesterday, also on September 21st, that a million renders had been hit after only 42 hours of this algorithm being available to the public. He posted six hours ago, so now on the 22nd of September, that uh, 100,000 different outputs have been favorited on QQL. Amazing. But I think that some people are conflating the enjoyment of the user experience with how much these things should be worth. And that's where I disagree a little bit. For me, I think it's super fun. It's extremely engaging to go and create these outputs. I just personally don't love the art. That doesn't mean that I don't like it. I like it a lot. I just don't love it. I think people don't like to say out loud if there are certain algorithms that they don't love. And the dynamics of this are going to be quite a bit different. So I'm not ready here to say this is going to be a blue chip art collection. I think this is a fantastic experiment, first of its kind. And if these retain a lot of value, it will be because of that innovation. But I don't personally think it's because each of these individual art pieces are amazing. And and I will say in my defense, some people I've seen saying, you know, sometimes I have to create a hundred outputs before I find one that I actually want to mint. So to some extent, I think other people are starting to feel similarly about that. But that those are my viewpoints on it. Again, ho- hopefully the, the crowd who listens to this uh, doesn't doesn't go after me too hard. But I think we should be allowed to say when we really like something and when we don't. And I don't think that I'm saying anything disrespectful here. It's just my personal tastes are not quite to this aesthetic. Look, I 100% agree. We should feel comfortable saying what we feel. And and I think that we often disagree on on things, which is I'll disagree on some of these here. And I, I think that that's the point of the conversation is to 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 have it, right? Um, and, and part of it, too, is to also say, like, you know, in Collector's Corner, we, we do fanboy a lot of stuff. But at, at the same time, like, we want to be real with you. And, and I appreciate that perspective, P, because you, you've you taken and very publicly said like what you feel. And I, and, and I applaud you for that because it's it's not always the easiest thing to do. That being said, one of the things that I observed is literally two hours ago, Tyler, Tyler tweeted something that I find really, really increasing, a little bit of a curveball, so I'm processing. But uh, 2% of the royalties on the secondary sales will go back to the minter. I think that's another fun dynamic into actually being vested into the minting process and then obviously uh the subsequent uh swapping and royalties that that go on but that that's an interesting dynamic to to further propagate their sentiment of the the minter being the third person involved with the creation of this art right obviously dandelion and tyler being the other two a couple things that i wanted to just kind of further have a discussion on about this is I've probably I've cleared out my cache of 400 max two or three times now, so I probably rendered a a thousand of them ten at a time just playing with the different variables. Um, I've favorited 56 of them, of which maybe 
maybe there's only two or three that I would mint. I love the engagement. Yes, it's very, very timely. And this is why I go back to the original sentiment from last week's discussion about uh, Andrew from Curated saying that this is something that's going to reward the people who have time. And, and I truly believe that. Like, yes, there'll be a bunch of people who mint, you know, in the first X amount of days or weeks and, and they get their, their product and, and art out there. But I think you're really seeing the fact that the people who invest time in there are going to really see some reward on the output. And once they understand the, the nuances of the algorithms, the, the outputs that have a, a deeper resonance with them, I don't think this is like a, a simple, you know, click generate five times and, and find the one that you fall in love with. It's, um, it, it is definitely for the patient and it's for the people who are committed to the art. That being said, I think that, that they'll have some sort of economic lag or, or fade associated with it as the, the people who have a level of excitement jump in initially and then the excitement starts to fade over time. Obviously, there'll be some sort of resurgence. I actually love the art. I think it's beautiful with some of the outputs. So depending on the resting price, will determine on how much and whether I get in. But overall, I I agree with you that there's a, a beautiful user interface. I love, love, love the integration of the Minter as as a as part of the artist. I think it's it takes collaboration to the next level. And, you know, one of the things that's always resonated about me, you know, they said that they wrote a very broad algorithm so people could could find those dark corners and find those outputs that had the deeper resonance with them. You know, so what, what may be frustrating to some, I believe, is also going to be the fulfilling aspect of this project and, and allow for that connectivity for others. Yeah, what to some is a bug is probably a feature to others which is the fact that you do get this wide variety. And the variety in this algorithm is unbelievable. I think this is an innovative, unbelievable project. But because for me personally, I'm not in love with the art, I wouldn't pay as much as other people have been talking about paying for it. Now, I think if you're in love with the art, then this is huge because it's innovative in a lot of different ways. It's Tyler Hobbs, who's a fantastic artist on multiple levels, not just skill-wise, but also the way he relates to his collectors. It's this great story. I think for me, I would buy this and assume that I would never sell it because I don't see... I just am... There's a lot of risk here from a pure investment standpoint, because I don't know what the resale value is going to be like. We are at max hype on this project because everyone can go and play with it now. And that just adds a lot of hype. That doesn't mean the hype won't sustain. It's just unclear. Now, if people are still generating a million outputs in three days or two in le- less than two days a month from now, or even in 2023, then I'll have a bunch of egg in my face and I was wrong. And and to me, the best part of this is the user experience of playing around and seeing what it's like to be a generative artist. And anyone can do that. That's completely free. You don't have to pay the however many ether it's going to be to actually mint it into your own manifestation. If you're priced out of it, or if you feel like that investment risk is too high, wherever this Dutch auction may land or wherever the secondary lands, then you can still get something out of it. And for everybody else, you should totally buy one if it fits within your price point. Anyways, I won't belabor the point. I, I do like it. I don't I want anyone to think that I don't. But I also want to highlight it's okay to not like everything. And it's okay to prefer different styles of art. I know some people who don't like Fidenzas and Love Ringers. I know people who are the complete opposite. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. 100% agree. And, and I think that the, the intent here is to say, you know, I, I love the ability of what it gives into the 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 mentor to create the, the piece that they will fall in love with. What I think is frustrating for some people is they don't get that uh, automatic love, you know, within the first 15 minutes, you know, it takes time. And even the people uh, that I see generating stuff that I have like a deep resonance with, they, you know, they're going through thousands of outputs. They're putting in the hours to do this. So, you know, I'm curious to see what, how that impacts the, uh, the economics of things. And, and, and I agree with you. It, it's, this is the beauty of art, man. It's it's all subjective, right? Like we all get to decide what it is that we want. And it's part of the reason why, you know, when we do our deep dives, each of us highlights different palettes. And how, how frequent is that, that that we see 
different things. Like we, there's different resonance with us. And, and I think that that's the beauty of this conversation and conversations in the space. It's, it's all done in a respectful fashion and it allows us to, to share our perspective, man, because it's um, at the end of the day, this is, it's all going to be great art and we get to collect whatever it is that resonates with us. So it's, it's beautiful that's in right. its own and right. For, uh, but switching over to a not quite art story, do you want to tell everybody about this Tim Ferriss drop? I actually haven't followed him much, but I know you highlighted this. So I forwarded you a tweet that I saw today. I've seen that this tweet has little to no engagement whatsoever. So partly I'm, you know, wanting to to figure out how certain it is. You know, the, there's speculation that um, a a user account of Tim Tim Nifties, meaning uh, Tim Tim being the kind of the nickname or name that uh, Kevin Rose has used with him before. Uh, and I think Kevin, they mentioned Kevin, maybe I tweeted this, but just with the, the entrance of, uh, so let's talk hypothetical because whether or not this is real or not, I don't want to get, uh, get duped, but should this be real? And, and we won't even use Tim Ferriss because I've got a little man crush on Tim Ferriss, but just uh, let, let's say celebrity X or, um, author x you know personality x whatever it ends up being as they start to to enter the space and start to to brand and network around uh, a digital asset and the nfts what does that mean for what i'm trying to wrap my head around is what does that mean for cultural relevance and broader awareness um you know again is this just purely a, a joke from somebody who spun up the, the username Tim Tim Nifties or 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 not? I don't know. Time will tell. It's like super fresh and hot off the press. But uh, it it, it kind of tickled the fancy, and we don't have to spend a lot of time if it's if it's not something that has a deep resonance. But like, is it something that is indicative of what's to come in the space? Well, let me ask you a question. How is this different than Gary Vee coming into the space? I don't think it's any different. And if you, you know, Gary onboarded a, a substantial amount of, um, I'll call it new NFT collectors, in my opinion, right? Like, did, did it did it transform the space? Was it the tipping point that made NFTs mainstream? No, but I think that you know the amount of attention he put into to onboarding people, teaching about like wallet security, downloading a wallet, you know, just the basics. Um, I would I would venture. I guess to say that a substantial percentage of his first time purchasers were also first time NFT collectors. And I think that to me, it's a, it's that snowball effect of yes, Gary Vee did it. Then what if Tim Ferriss does it? And then what if it's like a Kardashian next or, you know, I mean, what about like, uh, you know, Alex's wife, right? Like, Venus Williams, or is it Serena? Serena Williams, right? Like, they like to me, these are just like tentacles uh, in a spider web of outreach that that begins the propagation in and out of arenas that um, that we don't necessarily connect with or have access to. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like, we all sit in in the NFT space and we we talk in our discords and we orient towards a communities that have a deeper resonance with us and, and things that we relate to. And, and, and that just represents a, a small fraction of, of society, in my opinion. So when I see individuals like this who have a, a greater reach and breadth, um, it's something that I take notice of and I, I think is really great for the space. And, and to kind of continue on to the theme that we've, we've had earlier is, is more people start onboarding, whether you're a, a big wealth family fun or or even just uh tim highlighting something or influencer x you know it's it's good for the space it's good for awareness and it starts to to normalize something that is uh like the phrase nft you know and it it becomes more standardized and and familiar so i'll put a framework out there and, and you don't have to answer but it's food for thought also for our listeners I think you have to distinguish between somebody who's coming in full-time NFT who has already a following or a community from the outside versus somebody who still wants to be full-time non-NFT, 
but they're using as an NFT as an enhancer. I put Gary V, Kevin Rose in the first category. Like they are full-time NFTs. Like this is what they do now. Tim Ferriss, I'm not so sure. And it could be interesting to see if he figures out a model that can then be replicated by your Kim Kardashians or your Serena Williams, who I imagine, well, maybe Serena might be full-time now that she retired from tennis. But Kim Kardashian is going to be doing a whole bunch of other stuff and she's not going to be full-time NFTs. So I wonder if this could be a way to actually onboard other creators, community builders, leaders, et cetera, into the NFT space, not just bringing their crowds and their followers with them, but showing a playbook for people who are in similar positions as to how they may interact with and successfully engage into or meld into this world, if you will. But so just some food for thought. I think it's exciting. And this is this is innovation, right? This is what people talk about bear markets. This is what happens. It's a thousand little steps building up towards something, not one big move that happens all of a sudden. It seems like that from the outside, but it's all these little there's actually a great quote I've heard. It's like an ice cube melting, right? It's melting for a long time until you actually see it. But all those little bonds that you can't see are breaking inside until all of a sudden it just completely melts. So I think that's what's happening now as movement continues in the space. But it is and still the, a down market. Sorry, go ahead. I agree. Like I don't think that there's any particular one that's a tipping point. Maybe the melting ice is a, a proper analogy. I mean, look, Kevin Hart tried to have an NFT release and it was a, a, a failed thing, right? And he's a crazy, crazy big name. I think that it's a it's a function of and. You know, it's like if you bring awareness and do it right, right? Like it's not just a, a cash grab, but I think that as uh, people do deploy and because of Tim's connection to Kevin Rose, I do wholeheartedly believe that there would not be uh, a, a slimy cash grab, not to say anybody else did a slimy one, but, you know, it's going to be, um, in my opinion, it's, it's that propagation of it and the normalization that happens over time. It's not, it, I don't think Tim or, or celebrity X, whether it's a Kardashian or whoever will be that tipping point. But I think that uh, inadvertently it will, we're, we're just chipping away at that barrier into mainstream, I guess is the concluding point I, I was thinking. hundred percent, hundred percent. And to your point about Tim Ferriss being friends with Kevin Rose, that bodes well for the art space if Tim Ferriss brings in his vast follower group and does promote the art side of NFTs, which I, I got to imagine he would, given the connections there. Who knows? Not asking Tim Ferriss to pump my bags, but this to me seems like a, a logical conclusion. And one thing that I, I wanted to switch over to that I think is super interesting. So we talked about anti-cyclones going nuts and selling like crazy in the last week, uh, William Mapon very quietly released his first super rare series. Uh, there are seven generative works here called Sinew. I think it's like Sinew, like the connections, if you will, uh, but it's spelled a little bit differently. S-I-N-U-E-U-X. So these were selling on super rare. The auction just ended a couple hours before we recorded they were they had a, a resting sorry a minimum price of 10 ether only two of them sold one of them actually had a minimum of 20 ether super interesting to me to see this dynamic i think perhaps a lot of people didn't know about it perhaps people are saving their money for qql hard to say but for a top artist like this to have a release like this not sell out is a little bit surprising to me um, you could argue it's the art too, but you know, there's only seven of these and the floor of anti-cyclones is at eight and some change. So I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think it's just a sign of the times? Uh, to me, this is a sign of low liquidity, honestly, and, and, and we could use a bit more, but yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I, I didn't even know about it until 56 minutes before when you sent it my way and I was able to take a look at it. I'm not saying it was under marketed or anything, but I just think that um, the 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 analytical aspect of me says, okay, if the the anticyclone floor is uh, eight point eight or eight point six right now, and the the cost of this is ten, and it's one of seven, a unique collection, first release on super rare, it's a no brainer. 
Um, the other part of me does say the the art has to be there, and I think the art's amazing. But you know, spending ten ETH these days is definitely a a stretch for for a lot of anybody at any any rate right now. But it's not like I mean, I'm seeing you know certain things sit on floors for way longer than I would have ever ever imagined, and and I think that that's a direct result of the way the market is. So I think it's in part um, the resting or that we'll call it the minimum bid. And I think it's in part the the nature of where we are in the market cycle right now. I I do chalk this up to 60, 70% unfortunate timing. I think so too. I think that the liquidity is really low and we'll try to look at and have some numbers next week as to total volumes, et cetera, for gen art. And I think that it also speaks to the discoverability issue, right? And this is something this is why we do these weekly cornering the market sessions right now is because it's it's hard to keep track and, and find all these things. We are going to be working on a few other resources for our listeners to be able to find different pages, different areas they can check to see if an artist is coming out with something new. But this happens to us all the time and we're spending all day thinking about Gen Art. I mean, like Jared said, he he wasn't even aware of it until an hour before the auction ended. And so there's certainly a lot of room to improve in the space in terms of discoverability, and uh, hopefully we can help that and help this great art get the limelight that it deserves. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, there anybody who has the liquidity, the art is still great. It is Mapon, and it is his first super rare release. So, I mean, it's there's something there if you're willing to to dive into it. I think it's it is beautiful. Absolutely. Any other any other uh, news you want to highlight, Jared? And we had a couple other things. We could wrap it or hit another couple quick points. I'll leave it you know, to the, you. The, the, the other two points I had in here is like, do we want to talk catharsis slash factura or bright moments potentially? I'm down for either. How about... Let's, uh, let's do catharsis slash factura and say bright moments. I agree. So where would you like to start? What are, what are your thoughts? We're close to one week out post uh, catharsis drop. I think the 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 floor price on it as of today is sitting around 0.3. There was a big sweep last night of where a, one particular wallet came in and bought one of every type, which I thought of one of every palette, which I thought was pretty unique. And they didn't just like take the floor. They took uh, what I felt were very beautiful pieces. Um, but other than that, it doesn't seem like there's a tremendous amount of activity. What are you thinking? Yeah, so this wallet has, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 14, uh, 18 Catharsis that they bought. I think Catharsis suffered from timing quite a bit. I thought it was a really interesting project, but the market just wasn't wasn't ready for a collection of a thousand to really generate enough volume and interest to sustain the floor price has come up since uh, as you mentioned it's now at 0.3 ether looks like it the bottom was around uh looks like 0.2 something point high 0.2 so not up a crazy amount but i think it's really actually quite beautiful art i like the style of it i think it's a super interesting project in terms of how they set it up to be collectible with continuous ID numbers, having some of the lines and features of the art cross between different pieces. And I know that there are multiple layers of that. It's not just two consecutive ID numbers, but there are also a few other rules there. For me, I thought that the collection could have a little bit more variety. I thought a lot of them seemed a bit similar. So it, it wasn't if I'm going through my evaluation framework, uh, the aesthetics are great. The breadth of the collection left a little bit to be desired for me, but overall I enjoyed it, especially with the different colors. The artist was relatively unknown, which I think also hurt the collection in the sense that they didn't have a following yet that they could promote it through. GM Studio obviously does, but you know, you bring on a Tyler Hobbs or a Dimitri Cherniak or whoever, they're going to have thousands of people following just because they are further along, I think, in their journey, specifically with NFTs in curating a audience and a collector base. 
Whereas this artist, from my understanding or from what I could tell in my research, uh, hasn't had the time yet to do so. And it's way too early to say in terms of the market or how historic this collection has been. I just think it got it's the, like a, the bear market, honestly, is, is my main takeaway as to what why we have this type of price action and what people are saying about this collection. I think this if this launched a year ago, it would have been extremely popular. That's that's my take on it. Yeah, I think the thing, I mean, it brings up a bigger point of, I keep thinking of like, is, is the bear market really an excuse? I think it is dope art. I bought some on the way down for my, my personal collection. I do think some of the outputs are beautiful. I wish I would have maybe sold my, my original mint and bought something, you know, post mint but overall i think it's a beautiful project and i think for anybody looking at it at 0.3 eth it's it presents a really good entry point into the the gm uh ecosystem and you know maybe it did suffer from the artist i also think that like great and amazing art is great and amazing art and it, it creates artists at the same point i i think that I think time will look favorably upon this one. I just am not smart enough to tell you is favorably 0.3 ETH or is it going to be, um, you know, 30 ETH. I, I I don't foresee it ever getting that that high, but I do think that uh, especially when prints are available, this I could I could 100% see this going into a digital frame, sitting on somebody's wall, and being presented in a very very uh, warm fashion that's embraced by the general masses I, I do think that this has a a more traditional embrace it it just innately has a less digital feel and i think that's part of the brilliance of it and i also think it's part of the the downfall is i mean it looks as if like i mean everybody made reference to jackson pollock right like this is it looks like splatter paint the, the way the paint carries through from from piece to piece there is a, a deeper um, sense of realism to it. And at the same time, I think it's also part of the, like maybe digitally native people haven't had the resonance with them that uh, that maybe it could have. So I'm, I'm on the fence on this one. I, I think it's amazing art. I think it's beautiful. Um, and to your, to your point, a thousand pieces, I would have liked to see a little bit more variability, a little bit more palettes. I think that they're, again, no disrespect, because obviously I imagine somebody's heart and soul went into this. So uh, just a, just an observation. But overall, I think it was a very, very well executed. Uh, and it, it looks good. Yeah, I agree. And there's a reason we have a seven point framework for evaluating these, right? I don't yeah. think I know. It's hard. Maybe there's like one or two collections that are top-notch on every one of those seven so i think it's not disrespectful to say that you have that opinion and i said it first and i agree with it we'll find out if this is the bear market causing this kind of price action or not i will tell you though we just talked about mapon and his super rare drop not selling out to me that is a sign that if you know he's a rising star one of the most popular artists right now and he can't sell that kind of a collection out, whether it's because of a lack of attention or a lack of liquidity. To me, that's 100% the bear market. And I think we'll find out with the QQL. We'll see what that looks like next week. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. And we'll see, did it sell out? What did the Dutch auction get down to, et cetera? What was the secondary volume like, et cetera, et cetera? Because if that one has sort of anemic volumes, then, I mean, Catharsis never had a chance. You know what I mean? Fair point, fair point, fair point. And uh, we won't name names, but you know some collectors are starting to get frustrated with the the outputs of QQL. So I wonder if um, you know the nuanced nature of having to dig in and and be the third part of the you know the hat trick for a for input and output. If that doesn't have a some sort of wearing effect on it, but I don't know. I, it's a, it's an interesting time to say the least. It's fun to be a part of, and it's it's another data point for sitting back and observing trends and and people's um actions it's it's um it's interesting so last point i'll make and then i know we got to wrap up but the 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 factor on the flip side you know coming down off of its release and, and hitting some lows i think you know the the floors around 0.85 ETH 
point nine. nine. We're at point nine. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's it feels as though the the collectorship is starting to to recognize it and and come back in. I mean, there's little spurts of buying, but overall, um, you know, as to GM. And that one, obviously, being kind of probably more of the the highlights of of the the release or the top tier of their release is just um, based on volume and and floor price. It feels as though um, that one has not lost momentum. There's there's still collectors even in in this market. Yeah, that's right. And people might look at this and say, well, the floor price has come down. What do you mean it hasn't lost momentum? And that is certainly true. We, the floor price peaked immediately after at around four ether. And now it's sitting at, at 0.9. But what I've noticed with Factura and, and Disclosure, uh, both Jared and I own Factura, so that's part of the reason we pay attention. Uh, but what I've noticed with Factura is that it, it's thinning out. There's only 119 for sale out of 1,000. And when I do hear it come up in conversation, it's still spoken of quite highly. So I think that Factura still has a really good shot of emerging out of the bear market and continuing to retain a reasonable amount of value given the price action that we're seeing here. And look, I, I you know, coming back to Catharsis, I don't know if you'd agree, but I, I am much more drawn to Factura. I love the breadth of the collection. I like m- many, or if not most of the individual outputs standalone. Uh, this is an artist who has had a following before and you know, maybe it was the market, maybe it was the project, maybe it was a combination of both. But I think you would agree the reaction to Factura was much more positive than it was to Catharsis. So even doing an apples to apples comparison there, I think Catharsis is quite, it's great. It's great art. It's fantastic. I don't think it's quite on the level of Factura and some of the other ones. That's just my personal opinion on it. You know, what's crazy is I think the catharsis, the ones that I love, I love more than Factura, but by and large, I like Factura as a collection more, if that makes any sense. Like, I mm-hmm. bought day of release uh, a catharsis for 0.90 that I, I mean, I was, I was shopping and it literally posted and I was like, holy shit, I have to have this one. And I bought it because I was like, I don't care what the price is. I don't care if the project goes down. Like, it was just something that was like so stunning and and it moved me you know in a way that uh i hadn't been moved by factura but overall factura um i think has more outputs that that i find attractive so um that's fair that's fair and i think this is this is a really interesting point i mean okay going back to what we were saying before people have different styles there's more than enough art for whatever style you're interested in and drawn to and secondly with these long form generative art collections the breadth matters. It's You can't just look at its individual piece and evaluate the collection as a whole. You, you kind of need to see what the variety is to get to that point. And Factura was one that I became more and more interested in because I looked at the other outputs and I was like, wow, look at this range. Look at how they all kind of look together. It makes you appreciate the in- individual pieces more. So 100% with you. And, and by the way, I, I got to say this. Uh, there's so many Utopia palettes sort of near the floor. They look so good. I can't believe how many there are down here. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about it, but I love these Utopia palettes. I think I've been awesome. I've been tempted. We'll just say I've been tempted. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of there's even a well, this diamond Utopia isn't as colorful as other ones. But um, anyways, yeah, let, let, let's wrap it, Jared. This, this was a lot of fun. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jared, J-A-R-E-D underscore pause, P-O-Z, in Discord as J underscore pause. And of course, being the 8NAP founder, a digital asset investment fund, please feel free to reach out if you find any of this interesting and or want to diversify any of your holdings into uh, the digital asset space. Excellent. I'm at Aston Cloud on Twitter. And on Discord, we are at collectors underscore XYZ, www.collectorscorner.xyz. Once again, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Please uh, reach out to us, leave us some feedback, um, subscribe if you like what you're hearing, uh, comment, any engagement. We love it. We want to keep getting better. This is our second episode of Cornering the Market. We are evolving and we want to hear from you. And perhaps let us know what you want to hear about. We can take a look into it. 
would love to exactly. hear more of what you all are thinking, feeling, and if we can help in any ways, we're always happy to. What's top of mind for you guys? Let us know. We 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 want to review, discuss, and and dive into to things that are top of mind for everybody, including the audience. Hundred percent. All right. Until next time. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you found it useful in your collecting journey. Please check out our website, www.collectorscorner.xyz, for show notes and digital art galleries related to this episode. You can also follow us on Twitter, at collectors underscore XYZ. If you'd like to help us out, please leave us a five-star review on our website or your favorite podcasting platform and or leave some feedback on how we can do better. The Collector's Corner team and guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.